Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I'm Tim. Welcome to our podcast. And as we get closer to Halloween, the podcasts get creepier and creepier. Today we're going to do a a story on Lizzie Borden. Of course, Lizzie was an American uh, woman who, back in 1892, was accused of killing and hacking to death her father and stepmother in Falls River, Massachusetts. Um, she was eventually acquitted of that crime. Her, that crime remains unresolved to this day, but we're going to talk about uh, Lizzie and get into uh, that crime and um, all those dastardly deeds. But before we do, let me introduce our panel. I'm joined by always the, with by the very lovely, very talented, and um, very semi-intelligent Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? Really? Semi-intelligent? Well, semi means not quite all the way. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Quasi. Quasi. She's quasi-intelligent. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I I mean, she's not full-blown intelligent. Right. That's why why I was clarifying. Yeah. Yeah. But how are you today, Brandy? Well, I was better 30 seconds ago. Are you excited to talk about this topic? Because crazy women, potential Mm -hmm. lesbians, they're kind of like your favorite topics. What? Okay, well... You played softball? Did you play college softball? Yeah. Okay. All right. And could you swing a bat? Yeah. Okay, so we're going we we to give you... we swinging things. We're going to... It's gonna right get, up your alley, girl. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say that you were heterosexual. She was a lesbian during college. But let's say... Were there, were there, lesbian, were there lesbians on your team? Yes. Okay. Oh, it's a, were they lipstick lesbians or the ugly kind? How's Chuck? Let's talk about Chuck. No, I want to know, did you take showers with these lesbians? No. And what did they look like? Did you have pillow fights with the lesbians? No. Did they wear their little teddies? Yeah. No. Come on, tell us some college stories. Damn. No. We'll talk about this later. You're not old enough to hear my college stories. (laughs) We'll get back to this. Okay, and of course, uh, also with us, a member, the very distinguished and honorable... Uh, debonair and uh, all around long-winded, long-winded, but very, very intelligent. Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? To me, I'm, I'm as fine as a as a hair on a frog's bottom. Huh? You um, look like a frog's bottom. And I see the devil already starting on me. Yeah, that's that I mean, lesbian anger. It is, it is. Come on, you people got your rights now. Come on. Yeah, you can marry whoever you want. You can marry whoever you want. 
we you, you can vote now. You can own. You know, property. I'm already married, right? To a yeah. dude. <laughs> but we let you. We yes. let you own property. We let you vote. We let you. And then, really, when we talk about, uh, let's let's talk Your about some great empire. Flapping. I mean, the Roman Empire. How flapping. did it fall? They're they started letting women flapping. vote. They started letting women have property. No, they fell because men run ran the country. No, I don't believe that was it. Oh, I know you don't believe that. It's as soon as as soon as they gave women the rights, that's when the Roman Empire fell. Hmm. Well, Colonel, besides uh, your concern on uh, uh, women's suffrage, and I love women. I love women. They love you, apparently. I love women. You got women uh, that uh, you know come all over, uh, come up to you all over the place, and just want to kiss you right on the mouth. Sometimes they do. Yeah, dude, we just ate. Could we not? (laughs) Okay, Colonel. Um, any shout outs, Colonel? Um, well, you know, we got our regular shout outs, and then we got, uh, um, let's see who we got. We got now, Lady Beverly, we are working out right now to get you on Jack the Ripper because this is going to be interesting. I think what we're going to do is Skype Lady Beverly in. Lady um, Beverly in England. In England, lovely lady. I believe the Beatles did us a lovely lady. Beverly, where will we be without you? Right. Didn't they do that? that was the but anyway, I really, yeah. Um, Rita maid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, that was right. Close. So yeah. But anyway, lovely Beverly, we're gonna go. We're gonna do the Skype, I believe. Yes. We're gonna do the Skype. Uh, hook you up to a microphone, and hook you up. Uh, we could do the periscope. Periscope, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna, you know, no, what? we're do Skype. We're do Skype. So we're going to do Jack the Ripper. Are we going to try to do that before Halloween's over? Uh, I don't know. We, we'll have to see what our schedule is like. Okay. Lady Beverly, uh, thanks for listening. We also have Celine. Celine, of course, we're doing. Now, Celine, you, you made us feel lazy, and we're doing more and more and more podcasts here just to try to get you. We're uh, just trying to keep you know keep her busy because she says she's ran through all of her podcasts. So we have to just Keep yeah. We're doing podcasts day and night, just so we keep her entertained. Yeah, Celine's very active on her Facebook page, and thank you, Celine. And uh, we're looking to start in a Facebook group. Uh, there's uh, some interest in that, so um, we might be doing that real soon. Who else we got? Canute. Oh, we love Canute and Storm. Yeah, I mean, Norway. Storm. Yeah, and 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 the Colonel thinking about coming to Norway, Canute. Um, if they will give me. Uh, does Norway have an extradition treaty? I'm trying to find out with the United <laughs> States. Uh, Canute, I just need a bond to stay in for maybe two, three weeks. Um, let's see. I got my I got one of my boys in here this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Taylor. He's he's one of the twins. He's in here this weekend. It's always lovely to see the boys. Uh, and, and it's primarily because, you know, the boys are a pain in the ass. You know that. But uh, it makes the mama happy. So, you know. I give a shout out to, and I'm gonna give is a shout Taylor, out to is Taylor. Taylor. Is Taylor gonna move back to Cincinnati? I'm I'm hoping the boy does, but uh, you know he's up in Chicago and he's got the band and he's he's doing whatever. And Tanner called me yesterday. Listen, he said, you know, Dad, that and and this is how far far reaching we are, Timothy. Mm-hmm. He said, all the way to Chicago. He said, I wish we could have. Uh, I I wish you could have been up here. You guys would have the history dweebs would have done a podcast on this. I said, well, wasn't he said, I, I just listened to two speakers. One was a uh, an American liberator of a, a concentration camp, mm. and one was a survivor in that concentration camp. So oh, he said it was just unbelievable. It was fascinating. He said that history dweebs should do one on that, and I told him, you know what? 
don't tell me what to do, boy. <laughs> so Sorry. that's all I have for right now, Tim. Okay. And so, Good Lord. shout out to my mom. Uh, as always. As always. Shout out to Casey, who's not joining us, but will join us again soon. And Brittany, who knows where she's at. If anyone, out of you, would like a shout out, just uh, reach out to us on Facebook or leave us a review on iTunes, and you'll get a shout out next time. But anyway, this time... We're going to talk about Lizzie Borden, and of course, everyone's familiar. Most people are familiar with the um, the song that children would sing about Lizzie Borden taking an axe and giving her mother forty wax. What's the rest, Brandy? And when she'd seen what she had done, she gave her mother forty one. She gave yes. her father. What the hell? Put the put the damn Candy Crush down. <laughs> Get the poem right. I don't have. <laughs> yeah. So Lizzie Borden was. Uh, I did. Um, Lizzie Borden was accused in 1892 of the axe murders of her father and stepmother, Abby, in Falls River, Massachusetts, uh, near Boston. The trial became a media circus, and reporters coming as far away as Europe to cover it. Um, it was a trial of the century at that point. Um, this was the O.J. of the time. The O.J. of its time, yeah. Now everything's a trial of a century. Every time there's a trial, it's a trial of a century. But mm-hmm. this was truly uh, a big deal back in the day because, because of the circumstances that we're going to get into in just a minute. But um, uh, Lizzie was eventually uh, found not guilty and um, uh, was released from prison. And uh, even though she was found not guilty by jury, she, the, uh, she was ostracized the rest of her life. Uh, by the community which she lived in. She stayed in the same community. But getting ahead of ourselves here, let's talk a little bit about Lizzie and her early life. Um, Lizzie Borden's father's name was Andrew Jackson Borden. He grew up in a very uh, modest surroundings and uh, struggled financially as a young man. Uh, but he came as, as he, he was descendant of some wealthy people in uh, the Fall, Falls River area. Um, there was apparently a good end of town, Falls Rivers, and a bad end of town. Wow. And there was a lot of, they had a lot of relatives live in the good end of town called the Hill. Uh, when I was, where the town I grew up in, it was very much like Cincinnati on the river. <clears throat> and the poor end of town was by the river. And as you got away from the river, you went up what we call the hilltop. And that's where the wealthy people live. So I'm getting the kind of same kind of vibe of this. So you were at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, I was not on the hilltop, that's for sure. And and neither was um, uh, Andrew and his family, although they could have afforded to live uh, wealthy because he um, started out in his career, Andrew, as a... He he made furniture and he made coffins. So, Hmm. which probably... a little creepy. Well, yeah, it is a little creepy, but, you know, during the Civil War, he probably probably had some dough running. Oh, yeah. Rolling in. But anyway, um, he became very he came very successful at developing property. He owned several different textile mills. He was a um, banker, um, and um, so he he was a you know financier. He, he had his estimated value of his estate when he died in 1892. This murder was at three hundred thousand dollars, which in today's dollars nice. would be close to eight million. But um, they lived pretty uh, frugal. He, he was a bit of a miser, and that would Is come... a heat miser or a cold miser? I don't know, but that it would come to be a... They would have run-ins over that, he and Lizzie. Lizzie Ma, Lizzie's mom died when she was only two years old. 
She had um, two older sisters. One died uh, in infancy, and her oldest sister, Emma, Emmy, Emma, I'm sorry, was uh, nine years older than uh, Lizzie. But um, they lived, uh, they didn't have indoor plumbing. They lived in the poor end of town. They didn't have indoor plumbing. Um, They didn't have indoor, they didn't have electricity. Electricity was available in most of the finer homes at the times. They were still using the kerosene lamps. Um, The girls did all the chores. If they wanted to take a hot bath, they'd have to, you know, heat up water on the stove. So, I mean, they did not have. You know, uh, even though he was wealthy, he was a bit of a thin spinstrift. And not, I don't know why they just said spinstrift. Spinstrift, but yeah. you spin know thrift. what? And, and this is the problem, Timmy. He had a couple extra dollars. The women always looking for things to come by. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, dad, daddy's so tight, he won't let me take a hot well, bath out. Well, he, he, he probably did take it too far, but they wanted to move, you know, they wanted to finer things in life. Lizzie and her sister, they wanted to move up to... The hill, uh, which with their wealthy, the hill, the the they their, wanted eels with their wealthy um, uh, relatives, um, but you know Andrew would not. He again, he came up kind of struggling, coming up, so he did not want to spend money. Um, I don't blame him like that. So um, anyway, Lizzie Borden was born on July nineteenth, eighteen sixty. As I mentioned, she had one uh, older sister who survived. Her name was Emma. Um, She was nine years older than uh, Lizzie. And when uh, Lizzie's mother died when she was two years old, Emma promised her mother that she would always take care of Lizzie, which she she did until later in her life. Um, When Lizzie killed her, too. No, Lizzie did not kill her. But anyway, Lizzie and her older sister, Emma... uh, they had a religious upbringing. Uh, they attended the Central Congregational Church in Falls Rivers. As a young woman, um, Lizzie was involved in activities related to the church, and included including teaching Sunday school um, and teaching recent English recent immigrants to the U.S. What? Teaching English as a second language to recent immigrants <laughs> to the U.S. Is English a second language English for you? English is second language. Oh, come on, give me a break. Okay, so she was um, involved in all these church activities, although she had a little, she had a dark side. She was also a member of the Women's Christian Temperance Union, which, of course. Oh, oh no, we don't like that. She did not like to drink. And what do we say about that, Brandy? Lips that touch drink will never touch mine. Yes, yeah. lips that touch wine will never t- touch mine. I thought I've already heard it. Lips that touch liquor will never touch mine. But whatever, whatever. It's liquor, liquor in the front, poker in the rear. I believe is what it is. So liquor anyway, beer never fear. <laughs> yeah, she was ahead of the Timbers movement, but but she also was a bit of a kleptomaniac. There you go. She was um, she was arrested for shoplifting. Uh, and it got to be, and because her dad would bail her out, it got to be a point where when she would go to the, the finer stores in town, uh, they had a deal worked out where if Lizzie lifted something, that the clerk would just write it down and they sent her dad a bill. Put and her on the tab. Yeah. And her dad would it off. So basically every store loved to see Lizzie coming. They put the expensive shit out yeah. when she came yeah. out. Yeah. So she like, was oh, a, Lizzie walked out with a diamond necklace. Uh, so, yeah, she was a shoplifter. So Write that down. Yeah, write that down. <laughs> and now Lizzie had some pro- uh, when When Lizzie 
was growing up, her dad remarried. This is, you know, this is 1892. He married Abby, and Abby was um, 30 when she married um, Andrew. Now, being 30 in 1892 and being single, you know, you were an old maid at that point. Oh, hell yeah. You're an old maid So Andrew was doing doing her a favor. Well, they both, I mean, it probably wasn't a relationship that was, you know, founded in love. It was he needed a mother for the two children, and and she needed a husband because, you know, the clock was ticking. And uh, so they got married, and they lived a, apparently a, a pretty decent life. You know, she she moved in and uh, took care of the girls. And um, the, the, from all accounts, the girls were very cordial to her, although... Until uh, they killed away. Well, yeah, until they weren't. Well, the, apparently, as the girls got older, and when this occurred, when this murder occurred, Lizzie was, what, 30, 32... Um, Lizzie was in that same spot where she was growing into, you know, becoming a Spencer, and as was her sister, that neither one of them married. Um, they were, there were continued friction because Lizzie, of course, wanted, uh, you know, she, they, Lizzie and her sister wanted to the finer things in life, and, the, you know, for if a, a young lady and a 30 years old in, in 1892, if you weren't married, you were kind of expected to live at home. There wasn't a whole lot for you to do. Women didn't work that much. They didn't go to school. So, um, well, they didn't have the hustler store back then, Demi. Well, maybe perhaps they had, they had the carved own stuff. They didn't out have of the tender. They didn't have tender, no. Yeah. So anyway, they didn't have Christian because she'd have been on ChristianLesbianMingle.com. Well, because it doesn't appear that she had any. Um, well, he would have paid for the internet. Substantial relationships with men. Uh, throughout her life, uh, I can that I can find. But anyway, um, so there was some tension between Libby and Abby. Another thing that occurred was that um, Abby uh, had uh, Abby's uh, father. I mean, I'm sorry, Andrew had bought a house for one of uh, Abby's uh, relatives, and I get you know shit really hit the fan when Lizzie and her sister found out about that. Well, yeah. Uh, so they got so pissed at it. He had to actually he had to actually give them a rental home that he owned to Lizzie and her sister, and they sold it back to they sold he sold it to them for a dollar, and then they turned around and sold it back to him for five thousand. So I don't know why he just didn't so give he her, paid the girls off. Yeah, but I don't know why he just didn't give her five thousand dollars and been done with it. But anyway, they went through that little charade, present tax purposes or something. Why didn't she just steal the house? She stole everything else. <laughs> well, it's, they, so there was some tension in the home, right? So they, the, the, this relationship that was growing more and more strained as time went on. Um, Abby, or Lizzie had some pigeons that she was um, uh, grow, or you know, she was caring for in the in the, in the barn right before these attacks took place, and um, Andrew uh, thought that these these pigeons were attracting local children uh, to uh, trespass onto his property and go into his barn. Uh-huh. So he killed the pigeons with a hatchet. Andrew was a pigeon killer? He was. And, that, you know, uh, the kids Lizzie, his lawn. Lizzie got pissed off because <laughs> Lizzie, Lizzie loved animals. Now, we talk about serial killers and these bizarre murderers and things, and it, usually we always talk about how mean they were to animals, but Lizzie loved animals. And, she, you know, she hit the roof when she found out her dad took a, these, an axe to her pigeons. 
I don't know how you take axe to a pigeon. Again, the kids were on their You gotta be pretty damn quick to take axe to a pigeon. Well, no, I don't think he was just swinging through the air. He probably (laughs) grabbed them and held them down. Well, I guess by this time, the the pigeons were kind of docile. You always gotta worry about pigeons in the military. You know why? Because they, if if you get pigeons in the military, there's always to be a coup. Oh, for the love of God! Oh, we just no. lost ten listeners, Timmy. We just lost now, me. Now you know. Here's what you know. What's just so far into the story? What I'm having a hard time understanding. What? Lizzie, now I see her. She was a handsome woman. Mm. Okay. Well, you know, she wasn't as attractive as Elizabeth Montgomery, who played her in a yeah. TV movie in the yeah. 70s. Now, I would have taken my chances with Elizabeth yeah. Montgomery in an axe, but um, she she not a beautiful woman. Well, but I mean, sort of. She's a kleptomaniac. Yeah, she is a kleptomaniac. And she collects pigeons. Yeah. Yet she doesn't have a man. Imagine that. Go tell. (laughs) Yeah, that's hard to figure out. Sounds like somebody he would date. (laughs) Actually, it does, Demi. Um, So. Damaged. Daddy issues. She she didn't do heroin. (laughs) (laughs) That we know of. Um, So, anyway, um, so there was this tension in a home. Now, a couple weeks before these murders took place, that the the pigeon killing took place in May of 1892. In July of uh, 1892, the sisters took a little vacation, uh, but they came back and a week before the murders took place. Now, there was a break-in in the family home right before the murders took place, and someone stole fifty dollars in cash and some of Abby's jewelry. But, you know, now the strange thing is that um, it was uh, the dad, uh, Andrew, reported the the break-in or the robbery um, to the police, and they started an investigation, and then Andrew contacted police and said, oh, call it off. Yeah, because he probably found out Lizzie stole stuff. Well, I mean, that's the implication, right, that that she was somewhat involved. Um, So there's all this tension in in the family. So um, the other thing that happened... Oddly, right before the death, is everyone in the house, most people in the house started getting sick. And Abby was concerned that someone was trying to uh, poison them. Now, um, Andrew, being a banker and a businessman in this small town, he made some enemies along the way. And the night before the murders, a John V. Morse... um, who was uh, Lizzie and Emmy's uncle, uh, her mother's brother, her, her uh, dead mother's brother, d- dead mother's brother, visited uh, and was uh, uh, invited to stay a few days to discuss business matters with Andrew. But then apparently he left. So um, they, he was questioned when after these murders occurred, but uh, he was eventually ruled out as a suspect. Um, so we got this housing situation where they, you know, they were pissed off at their dad for giving Abby's relatives some of the property. We have the pigeon incident. Uh, we have the girls just upset because they, you know, they don't, they're afraid that Abby is trying to, uh, take, uh, you know, out to get their dad's money. Then we have this break-in, this peculiar break-in. We have the family becoming ill. Now, one of the things that was speculated was that they got some bad mutton, and that's what. Uh, and you know, ain't nothing worse than no bad mutton. You you don't you know, bad no mutton. Right nothing worse than bad mutton. Not a fan of the mutton. Lips that touch mutton shall never touch mine either. 
But um, of course, later on, and it was speculated that you know, uh, that uh, you know that this may have been an attempt to poison the family. So, um, so we did, we have the break in. We have these these uh, everyone in the household getting violently ill, and um, you know we had this uh, concern over the bad mutton, but um, it's a concern. It, it, bad mutton is a concern. Um, despite the fact that they were, you know, pretty, Andrew was pretty frugal. They did have an ice box, so um, it was. If this was in August too, it for was, his beer, it was very hot. So, you know, it, it may have been that the they just had some spoiled food. But so we have all these things <laughs> occurring in the summer, late summer of eighteen ninety two, which brings us up to the fateful day. And Brandy's going to tell us a little bit about that. Abby and Andrew Borden were murdered in their home on the morning of uh, Thursday, October 4th of 1892. Abby was killed between 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., and Andrew sometime between 10.30 and 11.10, which how they have such accuracy, I'm not sure. Yeah, you, and how they how bad they screwed up this investigation, you'd wonder how they get this time thing down. But right. go ahead. Uh, cleaning the guest room was usually one of Lizzie and Emma's regular chores, but John Morris had slept in the guest room the previous night, and so Abby had gone up to the room to make the bed. So according to the forensic investigation, Abby was facing her killer at the time of the attack. She was struck on the side of the head with a hatchet, which cut her just above the ear, causing her to turn and fall face down on the floor, which created contusions on her nose and forehead. So she fell face first on the floor. Her killer is then assumed to have sat sat on her back and delivered 19 direct hits to the back of her head. Yeah, and that, I mean, that really kind of, we talked about this on, on other podcasts. Overkill. It, yeah, it's overkill. It, it's personal. It's, it's very not, angry. Yeah. Um, so, for Andrew, on Andrew's part, Abby's, Abby didn't have a big day that day, evidently, aside from being hit 19 times. Yeah, Andrew went to work, right? It wasn't a great day for the woman. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, um, after breakfast, Andrew and Morris went to the sitting room and chatted for a little while, and then Morris left to visit a relative around 8.45, and then Andrew left for his morning walk sometime around 9. His morning constitutional, he called it. Okay. He then returned uh, around 10.30, but his key failed to open the door, so he knocked for attention. Bridget went to unlock the door. Yeah, and I didn't introduce her. Bridget was the maid, the Irish maid that was that worked for the family. This is important family. too. Yeah, people pay attention. Yeah, uh, Bridget was played played an important role here, and would later testify on behalf of Lizzie. But uh, she was a young maid that worked uh, in the Borden's residence. So Bridget went to go unlock the door, but found it that it was jammed, and she started just cussing at it. She later testified that she heard Lizzie laughing immediately after this, but she didn't see her. Uh, she stated that the laughter was coming from the top of the stairs. And that's, of course, where the this mur- was, murder was taking place. This was later considered significant because Abby's body was visible through the gap between the bed and the floor when climbing the stairs, only becoming, hit, becoming hidden by the bed upon reaching the top of the stairs. Lizzie later denied being upstairs and testified that her father had asked her where Abby was, and she had replied that a messenger had delivered a summons to visit a sick friend. Yeah, and this is a strange part, too. 
Dad comes home and says, where's Abby? She says, oh, she's got, she went to visit a sick friend. They never did find a sick friend. They never did find a messenger. I mean, right. all this is just out so, of thin air. Andrew comes home, and Lizzie, being the dutiful daughter that she is, uh, took Andrew's boots off and helped him into his slippers before he laid down on the sofa for a Aww. quick little cat nap. What an angel. Right. Then she told Bridget that there was a department store sale. There's a big Ooh. sale at Macy's. Big sale at Macy's. Yeah. Midnight Madness. And told her she could go. Uh, but Bridget didn't feel but good. But Lizzie had now Lizzie had a different view of sales. Well, that's true. Because <laughs> when Lizzie go into coal, she had hundred percent. She had to, she had as many coal dollars as she wanted. Yeah, I can't imagine Bridget had a lot of uh, discretionary funds around and working as a maid for uh, this guy. Uh, yeah, for this, this guy, this type bastard. Yeah. So, but Bridget didn't feel good, and she went to take a nap in her bedroom instead. So Lizzie gave two different accounts of what happened next. Originally, she stated that she went to the barn to look for an iron or a tin to fix the door that had, that was jammed because mm-hmm. she was handy that way. And she remained um, in the loft for twenty to thirty minutes eating pears. Well, I, th- there's not a probably a summer days go by that I don't sit out in the loft and eat pears for a half hour, maybe fifteen minutes. <laughs> I mean, my God. A lot of um, pears, you can down a lot of well, pears. What are they, no Asian Because Asian pears, you ever seen those things? They're big. Yeah. And I don't get that because the Asian people are small. Wow. How come uh, the Asian so pears are big? police were skeptical of that, finding it unlikely that anyone could stand the stifling heat of that loft for that long. Yeah. And they also rep- reported finding no footprints in the dust. So Bridget testified that she was in her third floor room resting from cleaning the windows because... That's what you do after you clean the windows. Well, I'm, I'm sure she worked pretty hard. She was a maid. She's pretty damn mad. Well, first of all, okay, she was Irish. Okay, so uh, yeah, let's, let's just before she was on. resting from cleaning the windows, when just before eleven ten, she heard Lizzie call from downstairs. Maggie, come quick! Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. Bastards! Some bitches come in and kill Papa. Lizzie always called Bridget Maggie. It was the name of an earlier maid, so I don't know if she just... What a snobby bitch. Yeah, we're just going to have one, Maggie, one name. You Irish you look all, like a you Maggie. You Irish people all look alike. Yeah. I'm just Maggie. You look like a Maggie, so that's what we're going with. Uh, Andrew was slumped on the couch in the downstairs sitting, sitting room, struck 10 or 11 times with a hatchet-like weapon. One of his eyeballs had... <laughs> one of his eyeballs had been split cleanly in two suggesting that he'd been asleep when he was attacked. Yeah, it looked like from... I've seen some photos of this. It, he was laying right next to a sofa. So it looks like he was sleeping on the sofa. Whoever came up behind him and just... Yeah. He was dead, probably dead to first... First hit. Yeah, first um, whack. And he was still bleeding, so it suggested a very, very recent attack. Yeah, um, and there was like two hours between, between Abby being murdered... Because her, her blood had already dried. Right. And this attack. So children who learn the chant may believe it took 40 blows to kill Abby Borden and it took 41 to kill Andrew, and that's not really true. The coroner did confirm that Abby was killed first, but by 19 blows, not the 40 that was popularized. And uh. Andrew received even fewer wounds. Um, but the 10 or 11 blows that he got were pretty gruesome and focused mainly on his head and it had destroyed most of his face. So um, again, it's 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 
personal. It's personal. And you know what what uh, police say are the most violent of crimes? Those personal is when they're Crimes of passion. Well, and when there's gay people involved. <laughs> My so God. Lizzie, Lizzie, no, it's true. Lizzie answers the, gay the people police have questions. The worst kind of murders, man. We're at they're the time. Her we're answers to no police questions after this. were strange and contradictory. Initially, she reported hearing a groan or a scraping noise or a distress call before entering the house from, you know, eating her pears or whatever the hell she was doing. But two hours later, she said she heard nothing and entered the house without realizing anything was wrong. When asked where her stepmother was, she recounted that Abby was receiving a note asking her to visit a sick friend. She also stated she thought Abby had returned and asked if someone could go upstairs and look for her. I don't know what that means. Well, the thing is, it doesn't make any sense. No, I know. Yeah, Lizzie can't keep track of herself. Right, she she didn't have a really well-thought-out plan. Uh, Bridget and a neighbor, Mrs. Churchill, were halfway up the stairs, their eyes leveled to the floor when they looked into the guest room and saw Abby laying on the floor. Most of the officers who interviewed Lizzie reported that they disliked her attitude. She was an asshole. And some say she was too calm and poised. See, but I don't... I, you know, that's the part I don't... I don't like that kind of testimony because, I mean, people react differently to things. They do. Yeah. I mean, it, because you have... And, and as many of our listeners know... Um, the Colonel Mama died a few years back. Jesus and, God! Uh, it's what been did she die years. of? Oh my Mama had the cancer. Jesus. She had the cancer. Oh my God! And uh, and the Colonel, you know, my, 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 the, the missus was eight week. months pregnant, and she was she was having Logan, and she was hysterical. My my, my wife was very close to my mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mama loved Renee, and my my two sisters was hysterical. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the colonel, he he didn't cry at the funeral. The colonel had to be a pallbearer. Colonel didn't cry. Now people come to say, "Oh, the colonel killed his mama because he didn't cry at the funeral." Yes, I think you kill most people that you come in contact with, piece by piece and little by little. I think but, that's what. But happens. do you see my piece point by to me? piece? You take my tear my heart out. <laughs> do you see my what point? Was that to from? Me? I don't know, but London Theater Company, right there. That's <laughs> yeah. what that is. Oh, you. I, you know what? Nope, I'm finishing this, and then you can yammer on your oh, you're supposed to your innate again. bullshit here in a minute. Well, no, I just wanted to throw oh, one but, real but, quick but, thing because Timmy got into him. We couldn't even do shoutouts, but Miss um, Beverly, after our Gallon Poe thing, Miss Beverly was walking her, uh, her dog. Yeah, I already heard <clears> the story, and but the, our listeners haven't. So and they don't care because me. I want to read this. This is where we are here. Okay, I'll wait till it's we get not to my your turn. Oh. Wait till never. Uh, okay, you got the talking stick. I do the talking yeah. stick. Did you I'm f- going to beat you over did the head. You with Lizzie, let's on. get back to the Lizzie. Despite okay. Lizzie's attitude. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And her changing alibis, nobody bothered to check her for bloodstains. Yeah, I've so some accounts where she may have been naked. Doing so she looks like Carrie after the prom, and nobody's bothering. No, 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 they didn't see it. But what uh, you, they didn't have the CSI back then. <laughs> but she was. Well, you'll get to this. They searched her room, but it was kind of a cursory inspection. And at trial, they admitted uh, they didn't do a proper search because. Lizzie wasn't feeling well. She had well, the vapors. Well, the thing was, too, back in the day, it wasn't, you know, there was this, you know, it was this Puritan kind of right. uh, th- kind of thinking, and, you know, you don't ask to go in to look at a woman's clothes right. and her. And plus, she could have been on her, uh, her, her menstrual cycle. Well, I've seen and some reports where they, they think. Back, they, well, no, but back then they didn't have the feminine hygiene products they had now. So when women, so got, she got menstrual blood like in her hair or well, up yeah, on her it was sleeve. messy back no, then. She had no, there was no blood. It was on the walls and everything when women used uh, to get. The, so anyway, so she searched her room, but she they searched her room, but it, she wasn't feeling very well, and they they were criticized well, her, eventually. Her, her her stepmother and her father was just axed to death. Well, so maybe she was feeling a little. She needs to quit being a baby. Uh, they were subsequently criticized for their lack of diligence. In the base in the basement, police found two hatchets, two axes. And a hatchet head with a broken handle, because hitting somebody that hard in the skull will break the handle. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. The hatchet head was suspected of being the murder weapon, as the handle looked like a fresh break, and the ash and dust on the head, unlike the other bladed tools, appeared to have been deliberately applied to make it look like it had been been in the basement for some time. But nobody took the tools from the house. They just left them there. Well, they want to be rude. Huh, look at that. (laughs) Nothing. Uh, the sister's friend, Allison Russell, decided to stay with them while John Morse spent the night in the attic guest room. Contrary to later accounts that he slept in the murder site guest room. Man, would you, would you really, would you stay in that house that night? No, I, mean, I would have. I would have went to Motel 6 They had pairs. <laughs> yeah, good point. That's true. <laughs> Evidently, they had some friggin' awesome pairs. <laughs> uh, police were stationed around the house, and later uh, that night, an officer saw Lizzie enter the basement bend over the pails containing her parents' bloody clothing, and that was never explained. She never explained why she did that. Why aren't we explaining why their bloody clothing is in a pail in the basement? Well, you have to do something with them. Let's explain that. You don't keep it there. Yeah. The following night, Morse left the house, and he was... Did call Goodwill? I'm picking up. <laughs> no, shouldn't they be processed through the CSI? I don't think they had well, CSI. Back then. The following night, Morse left the house and was swarmed by hundreds of people. Police had to escort him back into the house. On August 6th, police conducted a more thorough search of the house, inspecting the sister's clothing and confiscating the broken-handled hatchet head. That evening, a police officer and the mayor visited the Bordens, and Lizzie was informed that she was a suspect in the murders. The next morning, Allison Russell entered the kitchen to find Lizzie Borden burning a dress on the fire. Uh, Lizzie explained that she was burning it because it was covered in paint but it was never determined whether it was the dress she'd been wearing on the day of the murders. 
I've heard, uh, I, uh, I've read some parts where they get suspected, and I think maybe the colonel gets into this, that they think she might have done it naked. She was well, yeah. naked. Naked? Naked. Well, if you're going to chop somebody up with a hatchet, the way to do it is naked. Yeah. Because then you don't get your clothes all bloody, all sweaty, all... Yeah. Now, there's a there's a lot of theories on this thing, and, and it starts out with the initial investigation. Yeah, the inquest. Um, the inquest, yeah. And uh, originally, they were looking outside of the immediate family. Um, he had some local businessmen because he did business with a lot of people. He right. wasn't the most scrupulous of businessmen. Uh, you had uh, neighbors, and of course... Anytime you got an Irish person living oh in your house, God. you got to look what at them. What is wrong with you? Well, no, they had an Irish person in the axe. I mean, she was the maid. Keep going. Okay, Bridget Leave Sullivan. Bridget but what Leave I'm Bridget saying me. is, you can say what you want. I grew up with these people. You can't have I axes know, around. They're Irish, I know. All they had to say was, Bridget, look at you. You missed a spot up on the second floor window. Hi, I gotta go back to the window. You want me to go back to the window? Hey, here, here's something for it's you. The worst Irish accent I've it's ever heard. It's really bad. We're a colonel from the south. I wonder if she was short. Yeah. Yeah, she was. She was. She I wonder was, if she knew Typhoid Mary. I don't know. But I she. I uh, Bridget was short. So it's possible that they. Because you Bridget a midget. <laughs> That's it. You don't. You don't tell people no, that. No, uh, she was normal size. That's often true. You don't tell people. You don't tell Irish people that they done the job wrong. Okay. Please continue. So, okay, so anyway, but the police start to realize that Lizzie, <clears throat> or as some people call her, Lizzie, had a lot Nobody to, called her that. had a lot to gain by her father's death. You know, his 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 tight fistedness and his meanness and everything else, um, it it just they thought, well, maybe it just ate. And you remember these women are in their thirties. So now, you know, that's back when thirty was the new sixty. Yeah. You know, these right. women had, had started to make the change. Yeah, they were know. Spencers. I mean, Emma, oh, was, yeah. Emma was nine years older than that. So yeah, I think Lizzie was 32. She was 41. So Now, Lizzie in particular, she often exhibited signs of mental instability, but they're not sure if that was the PMS. What? Or We should point out, just for the listeners' sake, that Emma was visiting relatives when all yeah, this Emma occurred. Yeah, Emma had an ironclad alibi. Yeah. Uh, and... So anyway, she uh, Lizzie Lizzie had shown some signs of craziness that go beyond the PMS. I mean, it was stuff that even chocolate couldn't suit. So she was just kind of crazy. So anyway, they have an inquest. Mm-hmm. August eighth, Lizzie appears. Um, she requests to uh, have her attorney present, and that request is refused. Denied. Yeah. Says uh, it's and that, at that time an inquest could be held in private. <clears throat> so now she'd also been prescribed regular doses of morphine to calm her nerves, and and as you know, Timmy, to calm my nerves. Yes, yeah, the morphine will calm your nerves quite a bit. So and so her Don't behavior guess. during this inquest was pretty pretty weird. She refused to answer a question, even if the answer would be beneficial to her. Yeah, so they so think she, was, she may have been in fact impacted by this. Infected by this medication issue. Yeah. Infected? Infected? Whatever. No, she was just enjoying her high and yeah. did not she, want to. And she bothered. She did fucking cops her. or buzz killed. She did not I want know. her bliss buzz. <laughs> Why are you hushing my buzz, dude? <laughs> so anyway, her behavior was pretty damn erratic, and uh, she contradicted herself. She claimed to have been in the kitchen reading a magazine. Magazine wasn't even invented back in those days. <laughs> they were too. Um, 
Home and garden. When her father arrived home, then she claimed to have been in the dining room doing some ironing, and everybody knows that they made the Irish woman do all the ironing, so Lizzie didn't even know how to how to operate the iron. No, they didn't have electricity in the house. somebody hit me with an axe right now. Oh, Come on. Like, Lizzie worked hard around the house. And then she claimed to have been coming down the stairs. Mm-hmm. So... Now, and she claimed to have removed her father's boots and put his slippers on, despite police photographs showing that he had his boots on. Yeah. So she gave a bunch of contradictory questions. Um, she Answer. did uh, burn a dress that she said had been stained during housework. Now, again, everybody knows you give the stained hand-me-downs to the Irish woman in the house. Now, Emma, so, and her on her behalf, Emma did say that uh, there was a dress that was stained with paint, and she suggested that she destroy. Yeah, it. red paint. I'm just saying it was, Emma. Yeah. Uh, Emma had testified. In her and behalf. when we do, and you, listeners, you can't see us, but when I say it was stained with paint, I'm using air quotes with the paint. Hmm. So anyway, the district attorney, he's a very aggressive confront. He was much like the devil over here, aggressive and confrontational. Mm-hmm. So, August 11th, Lizzie is served a warrant for of her arrest and jail. Now, the inquest testimony on this, um, the basis for the modern debate regarding her guilt or innocence, was later ruled inadmissible at a trial in June of 1983 because the, the guy at the inquest acted such a fool. Right. Um, so, a grand jury began hearing evidence on November 7th, and Lizzie was indicted on December 2nd. The trial takes place in New Bedford in the following June. Prosecutor attorney, you had Hosea M. Knowlton and future Supreme Court Justice William H. Moody. Yeah, she brought in some... Uh, she, and she brought in some big-ass defenders. Yeah. She had Andrew Jennings, Melvin Adams, and uh, former governor, Massachusetts Governor George D. Robinson. Now, in this trial, you know, they, they compared, but it was it was compared to the Bruno Hopman trial, the Ethel and Julius Rosenberg trial, the O.J. trial. It was compared um, to the O.J. trial. Well, it's No, it's I mean, years later, the trial's uh, been, you know, in that scope. As a cluster? Yeah. Circus, media attention. Um, and and there's some, you know, there's some, some of the big points that they tried to make in the thing, um, really, and, and there's a lot of them, um, that the... the that the prosecutor put forth. Um, now, these these things shocked the community, but a lot of people in Fall River were not that surprised that he got killed. Um, he was worth, like you said, almost $10 million in today's money. He's one of the wealthiest, and everybody thought he was just a jackass. And remember, they lived in the not-so-nice area of town, yeah. despite... Being wealthy. They didn't have no security systems. No, they lived in a pretty rough area of town. They're guard pigeons. Andrew killed them all. (laughs) So, I mean, they were just left vulnerable. Yeah. So, you know, he and... um, So, he he made a lot of enemies on his way to the top. And rumors swirled that Andrew and Abby had perhaps been killed as revenge for Andrew's shady business dealings. All right, so that's mm-hmm. that's one of the points that you know the they tried to make. Some of them for the defense, some of them for the prosecution. Um, despite their beliefs in in Lizzie's guilt, investigators faced an uphill battle trying to convict this woman. There's no physical evidence linking it to the murder because yeah, she burned a dress and and the hatchet had been broken up. They didn't discover any blood on the hatchet. And again, we go back to the, remember the New Orleans murders. Yeah. 
people always had damn hatchets in the house. People yeah. always getting killed with the hatchets. Well, and, and the thing too is, all, I mean, all the evidence was circumstantial. They had, had no witnesses. They had no physical evidence. Uh, it was all circumstantial, based upon she had a motive, um, and she had. They, a, a now they did have fingerprint testing back in that time, but they didn't use it. In this yeah, time. they didn't do it. So that kind of that kind of screwed the pooch there. Um, they did, however, establish that Lizzie had tried to buy prussic acid, which is, you know, um, mm-hmm. and the devil puts in a lot in a meatloaf. Mm-hmm. It's a highly poisonous liquid. Mm. Yeah, she bought, so, tried to buy that shortly before the murders yeah. occurred. Well, she, no, she actually did buy it. Uh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah I she, think I'm right. sorry, she was unsuccessful in that attempt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the hatchet found in the basement was not convincingly shown to be the murder weapon. Um, prosecutors argued that the killer had, killer had removed its handle because it was bloody. Well, it'd be easier to clean the thing off than to remove the handle at that point. They didn't have the... And like you said, uh, hatches were pretty <clears throat> common, common yeah. to be found around the house. And then one officer said a hatchet handle was found near the hatchet head, and another officer said, no, that's not true. Uh, another thing, they, they didn't find any bloody clothing, um, but a few days after the thing, Lizzie burns her dress. Okay, now now you got the gruesome nature of the crimes, combined with the wealth of this family. It just provo- it, it was just irresistible to the newspapers. Yeah, and I think probably a large part of it too. Probably a large part it played in her um, um, her being uh, found not guilty is you know the role of. Women at that time. I mean, you, oh, yeah. it was just hard for people to believe that a woman would a do woman that. A woman would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they clearly they hadn't met the devil. Yeah. Um, now, by the time the ju- trial began in 1893, Lizzie become a media sensation. I mean, she'd done. She'd been on the Maury Show. She'd been on Oprah. <laughs> I think she was arrested she'd and been, locked uh, up during the during before the she trial was on started. Maury. No, mm-hmm. I know, she couldn't mm-hmm. get bail. She was she was locked up. Yeah, they did the DNA test on the hatchet. Okay. Lizzie, the hatchet, you are not the mother of the hatchet. <laughs> okay, go so ahead. anyway. Go on. Um, if it, so the circus itself, just like the OJ thing, it took on a circus-like atmosphere. Um, and the prosecution didn't have a lot of forensic evidence. Um, so they surmised that she had perhaps committed the crime while, as, as the devil's clan calls it, your, your religion... Hmm. She committed the murders skyclad, which is for normal people naked, Timmy. Oh. When the devil has her ceremonies at midnight, mm-hmm. they runs around mm. naked. Now they bring in a couple of interesting pieces of evidence to the courtroom. Yeah, um, but there's still some more interesting points here. There's some okay. uh, testimony that the main Bridget went upstairs around eleven o'clock and left Lizzie and her father downstairs. They know that for sure. Lizzie told a lot of people that at that time she was at the barn and not in the house. And she was at the barn for at least a half an hour. So eating it's her pears. Eating her pears. So who are you going to believe, the Irish maid or the axe murderer? It's tough. It's a tough one. Now, you got Simon Rabinsky. He testified on Lizzie's behalf that he saw Lizzie leaving the barn at 11.03. Now, that doesn't really make much sense because they lived, you know, anyway, because they lived far from that. Why mm-hmm. is this guy... Is this guy peeping on Lizzie? What's he doing? Continue. Um, now, Charles Gardner confirmed the time. He said at 11.10, Lizzie called the maid downstairs, told her Mr. Borden had been murdered, told her not to go into the room where he died. Instead, Lizzie made the, sent the maid to fetch a doctor. 
the axe. Now, here's one thing. There was a similar axe murder nearby shortly before the trial. So this could have been an axe murder we don't know about. Right. There were another incident nearby. Yeah, and the perpetrator was shown to have been out of the country when the Bordens were killed. So it's, you know. Yeah. Now, evidence was excluded that Lizzie sought to have the— they excluded um, the evidence that she tried to buy that prussic acid. She said it was for cleaning a sealskin cloak, and that and a local druggist said that would be true. Well, I, so, that's what I I use on my uh, sealskin cloak. I don't know about you, Brandy, but that's what I use. I it's use kinda, it. I uh, you know what? It does not work well on Timmy. What? Sheepskin condoms. <laughs> Continue. Don't try to clean a sheepskin condom with prussic acid because it eats. Especially if you're wearing it. When time. you're wearing it, yeah. Yeah, it's worse. Oh, oh, my Lord, sweet Jesus. But anyway, because of the mysterious illness that struck the household before the murders, the bad mutton. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing worse than bad mutton. Nothing. The family's milk and Andrew and Abby's stomachs were, they, the contents were removed during the autopsy. They were tested for poison. No poison was found. The victim's heads, what remained of them, was removed during the autopsy. Skulls were used as evidence during the trial. And Lizzie yeah. got a terrible case of the vapors and just fell out when she yeah, saw well, her Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they bring her dad's skull and her stepmother's skull into the courtroom. Well, it's unnerving. It's, I mean, <laughs> it would be unnerving. About yeah. once every two weeks, the, the devil come in here carrying somebody's skull. Yeah. By the hair, and it's like, yeah. devil, could you put it in the bag? Could so you she fainted. She fainted. I have to yeah. send a message. Yeah. So, so she fainted, and uh, but they tried. To, what they tried to do was show that the axe wounds uh, lined up with. It was like the, a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, but it, the but they didn't line up all that well. Um, and then they buried the heads at the foot of each grave instead of the head of the grave. That was like some kind of sick joke they played. But anyway, oh. the presiding judge, Justin Dewey. He'd been appointed by Robinson when he was a governor, delivered a lengthy summary that supported the defense as his charge to the jury before it was sent to deliberate. So he was he was really on the side of the justice. He was really on the side of the defense. Yeah, Remember, he'd been appointed by Lizzie's defense attorney. Yeah, they, there were some connections there. And I've read where uh, legal scholars have looked at that and said, it would have been after he gave the jury their instructions. It would have been almost impossible for them to come back yeah, with a guilty with the verdict. Guilty verdict. Mm-hmm. Um, they deliberated just an hour and a half. They deliberated long, like most juries. They got their lunch ticket. Uh, no, actually, lunch. they said that um, the jury said uh, jurors said that they had decided after ten minutes, but they just they but they sat they, there for an hour and a half. They sat there because yeah. they didn't want people. They wanted they didn't want to pe- they wanted people to think that they had actually yeah, deliberated this. Mm-hmm. But they were like, nah, she didn't do it. She wasn't there. And But most people, again, this comes back to the fact that she really was a woman. And they thought, no, women were the genteel. Jeez, yeah, and this was back in the um, Victorian era. And it yeah. was probably thought that, you know, a woman wouldn't do that sort of thing. Yeah. And um, and even, and, and you know, again, the evidence was pretty circumstantial. Yeah. Uh, but... When you know, if you look at this, I mean, you know, objectively, um, you have to think that she, you know, she got away with it. But anyway, after the trial, uh, after the trial, um, after the trial, let's see, 
Well, although acquitted at trial, um, there's a bunch of other theories that happened. Yes. A bunch of other theories that people came up okay. with. Okay, what were they? What were some of them? Well, why don't you tell us? No, I want, I want to hear you say it. I want, to, I want your version of it. <sighs> so, what were some of the theories? Some of the theories were uh, that Lizzie was a main suspect. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. You're going with Lizzie? Yeah. Brandy? Um, one theory suggests that uh, Lizzie was physically and sexually abused by her father. Yeah, and, and it was just wasn't talked revenge. about so that there was some real sexual abuse going on. But there's no, there was never no evidence of that, were they? No. No. Um, Bridget Sullivan, um, while recovering from the mystery illness that struck the household, alleged gave a deathbed confession to a sister stating that she had changed her testimony on the stand in order to protect Lizzie. Yeah, there was some speculation. That's another one of those deathbed things. Yeah, and whether or not this, whether they should carry more weight. But she, uh, after this trial was over, Bridget goes, she leaves the household, she goes work somewhere else, and eventually yeah. she dies. As the colonel said, as she's on her deathbed, she tells her sister that she was covering up for Lizzie. And one of the, you know, one of the theories is that Lizzie and Bridget had a thing going on. Yeah, that was a twisted thing. Yeah, that they had a, 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 an affair going on and that uh, Abby uh, or and or Andrew found out about it and, uh, you know, were uh, going to, um, you know, put an end to it. And that might have, you know, sparked the rage in, uh, in uh, Lizzie and uh, Bridget was just covering up for her. But right, any yeah. more theories? Well, one is that Emma snuck back and did it. Yeah, Emma was uh, uh, out of town though. And I, like, yeah, but they some believe that she had time to get back in town do it because nobody saw her out of town that much. Um, the other one was John Morse, Lizzie's maternal uncle. Um, he rarely met with the family after his sister died, but came to stay with them the night before the murders. He was considered a suspect. For, yeah, for but a while. I, I read where he had like almost a, people had saw him on the streetcars. He knew the streetcars he was taking. Yeah, and people had saw him there at the eleven o'clock when the murders were supposed to have taken place. So it sounded like he had he had alibis to me. It sounded like he had a pretty good alibi. And I yeah. guess the uh, uh, a strange. Uh, just somebody stranger coming in a house is another theory. Yeah, and and the other theory is is that Lizzie caught or Mrs. Borden caught Lizzie and the maid Bridget yeah, together. Yeah, said they were uh, in a tryst, and she reacted with just horror and disgust. And well, Lizzie killed Miss Borden with a candlestick, and the butcher and the baker and the candlestick <laughs> maker. Oh, so, okay. um, so those are some of the other theories. And Lizzie, clearly, I mean, she wasn't married by the time she was 24, so I'd say it's pretty certain she was a lesbian. Um, well, there's some other stuff that happens later on that kind of confirms that. Yeah. Um, so after the trial, uh, Bridge, you know, uh, Lizzie is um, released, and she and her sister move into a big modern house in the neighborhood. Guess what neighborhood they move into? Up on the hill. On the hill, yes, in Fall River. They move into the expensive neighborhood. Lizzie um, goes back to her same church that she normally goes to a week after the trial ended, but received a kind of cold shoulder from the congregation, so she stopped going there. She started going by the name of uh, Elizabeth 
Borden instead of Lizzie. Um, so her and her sister move into a nice new house. They get a new maid. They get a uh, housekeeper, a coachman. So they start spending some of Papa's dough. Now, what is interesting here, Colonel, and being a legal scholar that you are, yes, and you're going to appreciate this. I will. Now, because it was now had um, Andrew been murdered first, okay. Hmm. Abby would have had dowry rights to his possessions. Exactly. His estate. Mm-hmm. Then when she was killed, her family, her family would, would have, have got, got the money. she would have got the dowry rights to the estate. So it, was, it, it and this is very important in order that people get killed. It is, but because Abby was killed first, then Andrew was in fact had dowry rights for whatever property that Abby owned. Mostly his. She mm-hmm. didn't have anything. And then, then when he was killed, then the daughters became, uh, you know, this, the estate went to the daughters. So it's kind of interesting how that worked. I don't know if um, Lizzie planned that or not, but it could have went the other way. Had her dad been murdered first, um, Abby would have, at that point, been... Um, that would have been a great irony. Yeah, yeah. She would have had, well, at least uh, 50% of the estate, I guess. She would have been a broke yeah. lesbian. Yeah. But anyway, uh, despite the acquittal, uh, as I said, Lizzie was kind of ostracized by the um, Fall River Society. So even though she moved in the big house on the hill, um, was not well received by her neighbors. Um she um, so she start, tried to stay out of the public eye, but she got back in the public eye in 1897 when she did what, Brandy? What do you think she did? Became a lesbian. She shoplifted again. Oh, uh, but those charges were eventually dropped. So yeah, Daddy wasn't there to bail her yeah, out. Yeah, well, she had, she could bail herself out. Now, 1905, her and her sister Emma had an argument uh, because uh, Lizzie. Was kept giving these big parties for an actress named Nance O'Neill, and it's believed that Lizzie and Nance had a a relationship, inappropriate, but they had a relationship that uh, Emma did not approve of. So again, um, it appears that uh, Lizzie had these um, uh, flings with women. Uh, Emma and really got upset, and she moved out of the house, and the sisters never saw each other again. Um, in 1927, on June the 1st, 1927, uh, Elizabeth, or Lizzie went to have her gallbladder removed, and uh, she ended up dying of pneumonia. Um, funeral details were not published, and very few people attended the funeral. Only nine days later, even though they hadn't seen any or talked to each other in years, only nine days later, Emma passed away at age 76 in New Hampshire. Um, so, interesting enough, they had died just nine days apart. Now, Lizzie left $30,000 to the Fall River Animal Rescue League. Remember I said she was, right. she loved animals. And she left $500, or four, fifth, what would be, that? Uh, the I'm sorry, the $30,000 that she left would be equal to, uh, equivalent to $546,000 today. And she left $500 for the perpetual care of her father's grave, uh, which would be $9,000 in today's money. 
Um, that ain't a lot. That's like three trips to the cemetery. Well, you know, back in the day, it was probably a lot. But anyway, that's, um, you know, that's the um, <clears throat> legacy of Lizzie Borden. More than a century has passed since the murders, um, and no one else was ever charged with the murders, um, and the mystery remains officially. The case is still unresolved. Although I think, as we said, we're pretty. I mean, at least Brandy and I. I don't know about you, Colonel. What do you? What's your thoughts on who? Oh, think? I think the Irish woman did it. <laughs> Poor maid. Hmm? Okay. She minding her business. Minding her own no, damn business. You know, washing the damn windows. Just. Well, she was trying to wash the windows. Using it. And they was telling yeah. her, no, you missed a spot here. You missed a spot there. Yeah. She had to keep climbing on the ladder. Called her Maggie. And sweaty. <laughs> Kept calling her Maggie. <laughs> Never did yeah. get her name right. So anyway, Lizzie uh, actually, in um, uh, a few years ago, they changed, they uh, refurbished the home which the murders took place, and is now the Lizzie Borden bread, bed and breakfast. It's a bed and breakfast. You it can is. Stay there. You can actually stay there. You can actually stay and sleep in the room in which Abby was murdered. Now the father was murdered in the parlor, but you can you can uh, sleep in the bedroom that Abby was murdered in, and. Um, it's uh, if you want to stay on the night that it occurred, you know, on the the, the night uh, that it occurred on August fourth, you have to uh, get um, you have to make reservations years in advance uh, because it's so popular. People want to stay there that night. So if you're near Falls River, Massachusetts, even though wanna, it occurred during the daytime, it did occur. It occurred at eleven in the morning, um, but. They get a lot of people. You can go there and just take a tour, but if you want to stay all night, you can do that as well. And they serve little uh, axe cookies. Yeah. Of course they do. No, they really do. I watched it on, um, I seen it on YouTube. So, you know, if you see it on the YouTube, it has to be true. Well, it's hard to make, you know what's hard to make? Axe muffins. It is. Or mutton. Axe mutton. Mutton chops. Mm -hmm. Like axes. Mm -hmm. So, um, Brandy, any final thoughts on Lizzie Borden? No. You Sounds like a bitch. What does ye say? Oh, Yo, she did it. Yeah, guilty, Colonel. You think the you well, think the, Maggie? I believe that hell hath no fury like a lesbian scorn, and I believe that Bridget and Lizzie were lesbians. I, I like lesbians. I don't have anything against lesbians at all. Not a thing. Not a thing. Um, but I believe that. Uh, the, you think they had the you, old lady walked in on the unholy trist, and mm-hmm. somebody whacked her with a candlestick. So you think Lizzie was dining at the Y? I believe she was. I believe okay. she was. <laughs> that, now that's just a crude thing to say. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts, Colonel? I know you. You've got all kind of thoughts, and no, most of them are incoherent. But no, this one. Uh, <laughs> this one's pretty cut and dry. Uh, the Irish woman did it. Um, <laughs> okay, what is your thing? Now, you were going to tell us something about your email from Beverly. God. Oh, yeah, my email Damn it. from Beverly. Uh, <laughs> Why? Apparently, the uh, British theater had heard my rendition of The Raven. Well, tell the uh, story. Go ahead and tell the story. No! The, the, devil is doing, uh, the devil was doing her part of the podcast, but as you know, Timmy, she can get a little dry and dull at times. Yeah. And then she can just lose away and not even know what the hell she's talking about. Yeah, like during the Pope podcast. And I had to spice her part up a bit by by doing part of the Raven. That's when Brandy stormed out of the room. Yeah, she stormed out of the room, and for some reason we called her. Why did we call her back? I don't know. But go ahead, continue. Um, and you were oh, quoting the uh, you were quoting Edgar. Ed we uh, needed somebody to get a soda from the machine, right? So we called Brandy back. So we uh, we what? Uh, so anyway. 
Now, Lady Beverly, she walked on her dog with her friend, and she's like, oh, I listen to these people all the time. You got to listen. And this man from the British Royal Theater heard my rendition of Poe and said... He was impressed. Lady Beverly, that is my next King Lear. Yeah. How do you think he would look in tights? Well, of course, you know, Timmy Tights is playing to my strength. <laughs> so. I, I've always said that. And, and as Lady Beverly said, um, I'm, you, you two will be riding my coattails. To uh, yeah. see me in the play, and I get you tickets. I, I, I might. Even Is this gonna be at an amphitheater? Because I really like to go to an amphitheater. Yeah, those are delightful. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, we have fruit to throw. So I'll be the next um, <laughs> cabbage. Really, yeah. I'm gonna be the next. I would like, Olivier. I would like to throw fruit. <laughs> I'll be the next Olivier. So. Uh, Olivier de Havilland. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you know, in the in the Colonel Method Act. Yeah, so. yeah. You're just like Brando. I, me, oh, Brando, yeah. Pacino, yeah. We, we all, yeah. De Niro. We so you're all. gonna have to go over there and like live. You're really gonna have to live like King Lear for a while. For, well, for a couple months. Yeah, you so gonna, gonna we're gonna see you in tights quite a bit. You know what? Yeah. you should leave to do that now. Yeah, yeah. I gotta find somebody. Lady, Lady Beverly gonna hook me up with a castle. So sure, um, sure, sure. She's. Yeah. I'm gonna need a chamber pot and chamber maid and whatnot. A chamber. Okay, pot. Colonel. While you're preparing for that role, where can people find us? Well, right now, people can find us on the second floor. No, where can they find the podcast? Well, if they look hard enough, they can find us on the Facebook. Facebook, yeah. we on have a, History Dweebs. Yeah, find us there. We got a, they we have can, like 4,000 followers on History Dweebs. Yeah, strangely. Um, we got, uh, you can get us on iTunes is the best place. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Um, yeah, that helps people find us. You can get us on Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe on Tuesday we'll be on Entertainment Tonight. And we'll be on um, Netflix. Thursday we'll be doing Zany's Comedy Club. That's um, not true at all. In in Des Moines, Illinois. Or Des Moines, is it Illinois? Yeah. I don't know. Iowa. 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 Yeah. Well, no, we're not going to be there. Mm-hmm. No. No, but they can't, they, find us on, they can't find us on Facebook. They can find us on iTunes. They can find us on Stitcher. Join us on Facebook. And we got a lot of cool stuff up there. Brandy, any final thoughts? No. This has gone on long enough. Uh, Colonel, any final thoughts for you? I believe that I have made all my thoughts clear on this. Never give a lesbian a... Every thought he's ever had. Okay, everyone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on History Dweeb. Good day. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 